it's it's um it's just not it's not okay it's not cool it's not good it's negative not a positive it's a downer not an upper it's a con not a pro it's just we got to change this this is the second time we're recording a pod and <coughs> sorry let me do that again I'll pick it right back up. Okay. <clears throat> Three, two, one. This is the second time we're recording a pod, and it's rainy outside. And I, and, I, and I'm clearly, I said this last time, guys. I am sick of the suffering. I have gone through so much as a person, as a leader, and I've got to face this. Are you kidding me? We're talking about a good fifty-seven degrees and rainy outside. Like there's just no, there's no end in sight. I don't know how we're going to make it through, but I want to say thank you to everybody that likes and subscribes and comments about Leadership Lean In, whether you're in the rain or you're in the sun. Today, we're going to have a great podcast guest on. You're going to see him in just a second, the great Levi Lusco. We're going to go through the power of his name in just a moment. But thank you to everybody that likes, subscribes, and comments about Leadership Lean In. We love you. We are for you. We are with you. Whether you're a coach, a teacher, a pastor, an entrepreneur, whether you're in the tech space or you're in the legal space, you matter to us around here. We love you. And I mean it. Look who's with us, everybody. The great Levi Lusco. By the way, you got a strong name. Thank you, Chad. By by adoption is how I got that name. My, no relation, no Czechoslovakian blood in me, but that's my my uh, my dad's stepdad who had adopted him's name. So thank you. I mean, I just feel like when you say it, it's got strength, it's got umph, it's got power, it's got boom. It's got a pronounced K. You know, <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on. This is so fun. We just last week recorded for your podcast. That's right. And then now, I just think we should do this every week. Every week. And we you do. know, with Julia and Jenny, it just was this double date dynamic. It was it was fantastic. We talked marriage. I was I literally woke up this morning thinking about something you said um, about using your gifts of creativity that you use at work on your marriage. And I was thinking how easy it is to get lazy. That was a brilliant nugget. So everyone's going to have to listen to that episode whenever it comes out because it was just... It was profound. And Julia was so vulnerable. Oh, it was awesome. That's, you know, Julia's specialty is vulnerability. I think the reason why she builds so much trust in relationships is there's zero pretense. She's never playing show. It's like, I'm going to, here's the surface. We're going down, baby. We're going to get underneath there and we're going to talk and we're going to go there. And I'm going to tell you what I'm struggling with. That's her superpower, man. She just yeah, disarms and, and people. You never feel like you wonder where you stand with Julia. She's no. going to let you know. You're going to find out right away. That's exactly right. So, yeah. yes, everybody needs to go listen to Hey, It's the Luscos. It kind of reminded me of, remember that one time we were both in Napa at the same time? On accident. On accident. Of all the things. And we were riding. We were walking down the street. You were walking down the street the other <laughs> direction. It was like, what, what are we, in Mayberry? We're just going to just meet up in the town square? And then... You knew somebody, and we got to go to that vineyard, that property, that estate, and yeah, crazy. and we had that private little uh, tasting area thing, and that was incredible. That's what that podcast was. It was just us having fun. 
honestly, and I didn't want it to end. So I didn't either. Stuff. Well, uh, you need no introduction, but to all the leaners, this is the great Levi Lusco, the author, the communicator, the, the leader, the church builder, the tennis star. I love that you've gotten so into tennis. It actually, it actually might be one of my favorite things about you, the fact that you are obsessive. And so when you get into something, you go all the way in. Did you, by the way, sorry, you don't have to have already watched this, but the Marty Fish doc, did you get to check okay, it out? Okay, so I'm halfway through it right now, and I loved, I loved, I've loved every second of it. I don't, I don't, I don't receive homework often on the podcast, Chad, <laughs> but when I do, you literally was like, stop, stop halfway through the recording, like, okay, here's something you need to watch, and I uh, got on dutifully, and, and I'm halfway through, can't wait to finish it, it's amazing. Okay, so I didn't want to say in your pod, but since I'm hosting this one, I'll just kind of go into a little bit more detail. So I yeah. met Marty Fish, we were playing golf. And I get paired up with Marty Fish in the, 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 this this one random Saturday. And afterwards, he's the club champion at this place I was playing, this very nice uh, country club. And unbelievable golfer. And and they go, you know who Marty Fish is? And like you, I was like, I, I don't know who Marty Fish is. So I get to know Marty, and I really like him. And then one day I'm on Netflix, and this documentary appears. So I'm like, hey, that's my friend. Is my, that's my guy. I, I really love Marty. So I watch it, and then I see him, like, I don't know, like two weeks afterwards. Playing Roger Federer, yeah. I, yeah, I see him two weeks afterwards at this random place, and I was like, I just watched your story. Like, if I would have known that the first day I played with him, what he's gone through, I can't wait for you to finish. we got to talk about this. But I'm just a fan of anyone that has overcome great setback in life, like yourself. You've, you've gone through your you know, own set of problems, own set of setbacks that life can serve us. And the fact that you're still going and still smiling, and most people don't probably, people that are just introduced to you now might not know what you faced years ago. I, I just, for Marty Fish and yourself, I'm all the way in. Come on, man. Well, you know, I think one of the things that's helped me is to have a mental model for what that looks like, what you're describing. Um, we talked on our staff a lot about using the language of stairs. A lot of people, yeah. when they think about growth, they think about, you know, a, a, a line chart. It's like, this is what my growth looks like, but that's not how anything grows. No, nope. We grow in stairs, you know, yeah. there's, there's slumps and sometimes we even a little bit down, but, but to think about a stair model, mm. that means that if, if you're doing it right, you're going to bump into yep. a wall at times. And organizationally, you're going to stall out. You're going to, you're going to, you know, in in a in an eating or in a relationship, you're going to hit that 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 front of the next stair nose in front of you. And you can it feels like a dead end to smack your nose into something like that, trial, a divorce, bankruptcy, whatever. And and when you smack into that wall, you have to, you just have to ask yourself, is it the end? And then the the obvious answer is no. This is now my chance to to take another step up. And to go up to another level, wow. and those forces of hitting that stair nose in front of you is now the chance to to grow. I and mean, literally, this is biblical through and through. Not everybody listening is, of course, a Christian, but in in the Beatitudes, Jesus talks about the the brokenhearted being blessed, those who suffer being purified, those mm. who you know are who who are mourning can be comforted. He's saying you're going to hit that stair nose, and you you can either get stuck there, and some people will quit on a marriage or quit on a dream when they hit that next wall. Mm. But instead, you need to let that channel you into that next you know level of growth. And that's I mean, name one person in the Bible who did great things that didn't suffer greatly, and wow. that's them using that chance to grow up that developmental staircase, right? So good.
I, I, when you say that, it makes me think of also something I think that you're uniquely gifted in, and that is having the daily habits, you know, like preparing for the storm. I feel like someone like yourself, maybe one of your, if I, if for Julia, her superpower is transparency. I think that maybe yours, could it be that you have daily habits, weekly habits that prepare you to break out of that. You know, talk to me about this. One of the things I want to talk to you about. I think that you are so uniquely disciplined. You have such an ability to laser focus in. And uh, I, I, when I think about you, I think about you know Jenny told us about you starting the car early in the morning. It's dark out. You're getting your 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 pre workout drink ready. You're going. It's like dark outside and 25 degrees and you're going to work out. Talk to me about you having that ability to discipline yourself because I think that's what allows you to get out of that as well is going like, I'm not, what's that uh, Ecclesiastes verse? Only a fool waits for perfect conditions. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, so Well, you're too kind, first of all, but I, I think um, some of what you're describing is neuroses, I think is the medical <laughs> word for it. It's like, it's like you've just described my o OCD in the most kind words I've ever heard. Uh, but, but I do think there is something to be said for being a creature of habit in a yes. good way. You know, I think we, we, we talk pejoratively a lot about getting stuck in a rut. Well, that's only true if it's the wrong rut, right? I mean, uh, so good. ask me, ask me how many things I'm worried about, right? It's well, how many things am I praying about? There you go. As, as the right reverend, reverend said, I think, you know, as much as we can habitualize, then we free up computing power in our brain for more things. Mm. So for example, I, I, I did this sermon series where I did, um, a preaching, uh, message, um, for every time in the Bible, the phrase was used, uh, since the early days, he did such and such, um, or yes. it, it was his custom since, you know, as was his so, custom, as was his custom since early days. So, so Jesus went to the synagogue on Sabbath day, as had been his custom since early days. So he didn't have to ask himself on Saturday, like, well, what should I do? He made it uh, a habit. And we know that anything we do long enough, we, we form uh, grooves in our brain that, that it almost becomes like, okay, so none of, none of our listeners today can probably remember much about their drive home yesterday. You, your brain kicked in. There was a certain loop that, that oh, I see what's happening here. Okay, now we're going to fire this up. That's why sometimes we wake up in our, in, our, in our garages or driveways and we go, how did I get here? How did I well, get your here? Your brain took over because it noticed you were doing something. So you have to be really careful what you, you do that to. Pornography or heroin, any of these things can become habit loops that are reinforced and very difficult, though not impossible to overwrite. So in my life, I've tried to uh, free up uh, operating power in my brain by putting some good things into habit. Mm. Uh, I don't want to ever ask the question, like, what should I do when the day begins? It's like my, my, my routine is to go make a French press, get my Bible, get my notepad, light the fire, spend some time with Jesus before Instagram, uh, spend some time, you know, journaling, spend some time in quiet. Uh, I love, uh, you know, if it's t like right now, it's still dark in the morning where I live. So like this morning, getting to look at the moon, it was an eclipse. And so watching that moon, it was good for your soul. Psalm 8 says, lift your eyes up and look at the heavens and consider what is man. So like, it's so good for you. Time with Jenny. I don't want to ask the question every week, should we go on a date? It's like, well, Thursday night, state night. And my family, my kids 
never asked me to we go to church on vacation. We're going to find a church and go to. Wow. You're a pastor. No, because I'm a Christian. So I think <laughs> that that no one wants to be disciplined. No one wants to experience discipline, mm. but no one also wants to be undisciplined financially or you know in any other way. So that's that's kind of the thinking behind some of those neuroses. Hopefully, in the good direction. And were you always that way? I mean. You know, what age do you click in? What age do you go like, is that high school? Is that college? Is that young adult? Like when when do you start to go, I'm actually really applying myself? Well, the, the OCD side started when I was a kid. I used to lie in bed at night counting how many syllables were in sentences that I had said throughout the day. That, that's weird. That's Rain Man style. Um, you know, I would literally lie there. And if, if a sentence that I had said at some point in the day was odd in syllables. I would count them. Wow. I would have to rewrite the sentence so it could be even. And that's how I would fall asleep. Wow. Um, so that's probably not normal for most people. Although we all have our own ticks, right? Sure. Um, and I have this, the way I put it in my new book is that what whatever makes you weird can also make you wonderful. So for me, my obsessiveness with words, if it's in the right direction can become amazing, right? Yeah, absolutely. It, God can use it. But when I really began to understand the power of discipline, I think it was in Bible college, mm. um, when I really started to feel like this is God's call for me. Because I honestly phoned in high school. I barely graduated. But in, high sc- in, in Bible college, I really saw a purpose in it and started wow. to really apply myself. And, and, and it's, it, so talk to me about communication, because that was one thing I want to talk about today. What age, going along with discipline, so you discover, okay, this is going to, this, this unique wiring you know, this, this, I always, the phrase I like to use is my awkward is a gift. It's, it's not a yeah, curse. It's a, it's, it's a gift. So if you discover that around Bible college, at what age, at what point do you start to understand? I think I'm pretty good at talking because I think you're one of the best communicators in the world. The way that you put sentences, the, your, the language that you use, the dynamics that you, the cadence the rhythm, the cleverness, the thoughtfulness, the cross-reference, the history, the st- you, you do such a great job with research. All of that we see now. What age do you go like, ah, I think I'm, I think I got a chance to like, this is maybe my craft and I'm going to work on this and I'm going to, I'm going to listen to myself and get better. What age was that? And, and another question within that, who influenced you? Who did you watch and go, I, I think that's it? Well, coming from a communicator as, as, as capable as you are, that is high praise. Um, I first noticed in high school, if given the choice between any kind of, like you know, choose your own adventure, I would always pick speech because I knew I could wing it. So that's not like a great thing because, you know, we'll always be tempted to coast in the area of our greatest strengths as opposed to doing what I think Andy Stanley said you should do. And that is you should maximize those and even put more time, you know, so every listener has in your mind, whatever you're good at, your your greatest temptation is going to be to coast on the gift mm. and do a lot of things that you should be delegating that don't come naturally, mm. as opposed to really focusing in on the few things that you can do that no one else can do. So I used to coast on that and not work on it. I think... Um, I gave a devotion to my Bible college class. You could sign up to put together a, a Bible college devotional. And I put my hand up, like, I'm going to try this. And I mean, Chad, I was so nervous. I I stayed up all night the night before, 
re-recording and re-recording it into a tape recorder, listening to it back, re-changing it. Re- and then I, I literally like dry, was dry heaving. <laughs> and, and for almost two years, I couldn't preach without first puking in the back room. So wow. I would just get so sick, nervous, and I would just throw up. Um, and if I didn't eat anything, it would just be dry heaving. It's like, okay, Eminem, wipe this mother spaghetti from my <laughs> mouth, and now I'm ready to go. You know, Marshall Mathers it. There we go. Um, but, but that devotion, um, when I got up on stage, I have a tape cassette of it still. And I said, open your Bibbles. I, I mispronounced Bible, Chad. Who it's does tough. It's that? It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Bibbles. Um, <laughs> but it, but it went well. And I feel like as it got going, I really felt that, that, you know, when you feel really warm, like you're doing what you're called to do and you just feel warm. That's how I felt. And you know, I got good encouragement from people. And so I think from that moment on, I really began to seriously apply myself to this. Like it's wow. like that whole Eric Little thing. When I run, I feel his pleasure. Chariots yeah. of fire. Like that's why I run. I know God made me for a purpose, but he made me fast. And so yeah. that's kind of been you know, the, the, the progression of that. And from that moment forward, I really tried to grow in that gift because you got to fan into flames, whatever you have. You start with what God gave you, but you got to improve your gift. He wants an ROI on whatever he gave you. That's right. We don't give back the one talent. We want to give back interest, you know? That's exactly right. So fruitfulness is his goal, and that's what I want to do. So um, uh, I listen, man. I listen widely. I listen to everybody I can. Early on, I I preached tit-for-tat Skip Heitzig sermons. Yeah, I was going to say Skip. That would have been my my first thought was, was Skip the guy? I always think when I look at you, how much of an influence was Skip, Chuck Smith, and Greg Laurie? Greg Laurie, huge, no doubt. I mean, Chuck Smith, we had to listen. He has this series called the 5,000 series. It's a teaching through every single chapter of the Bible. And as a part of going to my school, you had to listen to every single one of his sermons, the whole series. And we would play them at triple speed. You know, you could speed up the the, the files. And so we would do that. Um, But Skip and Greg were the two pillars that early on shaped me. Skip in biblical, you know, hermeneutics, Greg in evangelism. And those two things really developed me. And I just think Greg has this natural gift like Billy Graham yes. of talking to people that, that in an on, a non-assuming way, uh, unassuming way, and just putting the gospel out there in a way that's easy to understand. Greg was also forged by loss. You know, his son died. Um, and I spoke at his son's funeral, and then Greg spoke at my daughter's funeral. So we both got to serve each other in that way. Jeez. Um. So those two early on, and then I would say from there, the next one that really God used to catapult me into another level was Louis Giglio, a, a hero of both of ours. For sure. So, but now, I mean, I want to listen to everybody. I'm going to listen. I listen to you. I study you. Um, I've watched you preach so many times. Um, you know, uh, you, I know Judah was instrumental oh, in helping huge, you develop. Huge. He's massive. I could see his, you know, imprint on you in a good way. And I think. For young listeners, that's a that's a good thing. Like stealing fr- from your mentors. Yes, um, it, it's like playing the scales when you first learn piano. Yeah, totally. You don't just start writing jazz songs. You're not ready for that. <laughs> and and you know, I've I've heard Maxwell say it takes six years for an orator to have, find their own voice. And I think that that's so true. And even when you find your own voice, that does not make you exempt from being influenced. And I think that's an okay thing. I think the reality is every leader is a sum total of their influences. 
that's exactly who you are as far as your Calvary Chapel upbringing and Greg. And you never take that away. But also, there's going to be new people that come in your life that you go, I love that thought. I love that style. I love, the, you know, we're always trying to look for inspiration, always trying to look mm. for, not just for information, of course, but for inspiration. I think it's okay to be influenced and still stay true to your own unique personality. I think the older you get, the more comfortable and secure you are in your own unique personality simultaneously. Have you found that? No doubt. And I think I think blending in these things. You yes. Know, I, I listen to how Jerry Seinfeld communicates. Yes. Um, Jim Gaffigan. I think I love, love, I just am a student of the craft of communication. I love watching words. I love, I love that. I love seeing different styles um, and seeing how different people will take you on an emotional journey as they talk. I think the body language, all of that. I, I mean, I used to watch Dane, Dane Cook communicate, oh. you know, it's just, it's just to be able to hold uh, an arena of people in you and with a whisper to keep them, you know, spellbound. I think it's brilliant. Totally. And, and it's the old saying, you are who you hang with. So if I'm hanging with those guys, I'm going to pick up that language or that move. I remember when we first started watching Kevin Hart, it, it heavily influenced some of my cadence in that time because yeah. you, you, it's, you know, you're hanging out with that. So you're going to, you're going to see that play out. I love the art of communication. I love the potential, you know, we were talking earlier today with our staff that, you know, every great movement has a melody. The melody goes before the message, but that doesn't mean I don't, I disqualify the message. I think there's something about the importance of talking and seed language and truths and always hunting down the best way to say something. The packaging. I, 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 I love the way you put stuff together and I, I so respect you as a leader in that space. I want to talk to you about, because I feel like you saw as a communicator an opportunity with the digital era before many people that I know. So, you, you know, you have an amazing community. I've been to Fresh Life. I love your church. I think it's one of the greatest churches in the world. And you saw Fresh Life having this opportunity to have a digital impact and invested in that with cameras and invested in that with multiple locations. And I, 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 I so respect the, the, the ability to forecast. You did that 10 years ago, 8, 10 years ago. What's for you the next thing that you're forecasting? What's for you going like, I saw this, I saw this opportunity. You got 10 locations now. You've got an amazing digital imprint. Your church in Kalispell is touching the globe. What's the next thing for you going, I can, I see we have an opportunity to do this. Yeah. Well, that's such a good, that's, a, that's the question, isn't it? Um, the, the old, uh, Michael Scott, uh, skate to the, uh, skate to the Wayne Gretzky, uh, joke. <laughs> Man, the office. The, what, a, what a massive. Yeah, I was gonna say is. the fact that Michael Scott made it. This, this, how could this podcast get any better? We can't quote Wayne Gretzky. We have to quote Michael Scott quoting Wayne Gretzky. That's the rule <laughs> of that quote now. But that, I mean, truly though, movie quotes and song references are the lingua franca of this generation. So you know, if you're, if you're not speaking into these things, I mean, I think that that um, okay. So um, we started Fresh Life in t 2007. Wow. The same year, the iPhone. Uh, became a thing the same year Twitter blew up at South by Southwest the same year Facebook opened up to anybody with an email address so we started our church at this crossroads of the whole world about to change you know we started the church with flip phones palm trails 
and uh, and we took out ads in the newspaper and all of those things. <laughs> right. And all of my mentors who we've mentioned, they planted their churches in the 80s, you know, in the, or earlier, 70s for Pastor Greg. So I, when I asked them, like, what do you do? It's just none of those things really, they like, right. we started a tape ministry. We would duplicate our tapes. And I was like, okay, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> um, so uh, I was like, well, MySpace right now, when we, right when we started, there was no iPhone yet. So we were like, well, let's just, let's create code so people can copy and paste the invites to our church to their MySpace. So we were doing that. We've just always tried to just whatever people are doing, you know, be speaking that language. That's what Gutenberg did, did with the Bible. The first book printed was the, the, new, the, the King James Bible. Um, the first time the AM radio was ever transmitted, it was, a, it was the gospel story. Mm. So there's a great rich history. Billy Graham uh, was a pioneer of putting his crusades on TV and criticized for it. That's the devil's medium. But he's like, no, no, we're going to reach the world by wow. putting our stuff on, on the on the TV. So I think that that was us. You know, now everyone's multi-site and podcasts are ubiquitous and live streams are, you know, of course, in the age of COVID, what would we have done without those things? Yes. But when we started doing them in a rural area of Montana in 2008, that's when we started video streaming through Ustream, the platform. And we started, you know, we would get complaints because there would be condom ads on our church services, but we had no control over that. So we had Costco cameras. We just would go to Costco, buy a video camera. We'd make it work with a Mac wow. Pro. Someone donated. But we started doing that because we realized God's called us to this area, but we have a heart for the nation. So how can we do that? And within you know two years, I mean, we were only preaching to three or 400 people in Montana, but uh, or maybe that was the first year, 300 people. But, but we were seeing people from all 50 states download the podcast because we were very early to be a Christian podcast out there. And, you know, just verse by verse through the gospels, nothing fancy, but people were hungry for it. And I think same thing happened with multi-site when we started putting video screens up and it just, it, and even then when I, I was getting outside opportunity, which was partially how I supplemented to, to pay the bills as a, as a itinerant side of my life. Um, I, I didn't have a budget to bring in guest speakers, so I would go in and record to an empty room and then play it back on Sunday. And people were like, can this work? And it's like, well, I don't know. Someone just got saved. So you tell me. Yeah. And it did. So the the big joke for us was we prepared for COVID from 2009 forward. Exactly. Uh, but ironically to all that, we're kind of, even though, of course, we're still doing TikTok and, you know, I, we're on coast to coast with Caleb, our 59 seconds of hope spots and all the things like that you, you do to, to get, you know, the digital platforms continue to reach people. I'm kind of going a little bit backwards in, in my passion right now, which is just youth. The number one thing that we're focused on is, is youth. And I think it's, it's a critical time for us to, to reach the next generation constantly, right? Where you and I are 40. If, if we're not reaching, um, 12 year olds, 13 year olds, 14 year olds. That's the, that's the church, right? It's the so church. We're doing, um, we went all in on our summer camp and want kids to actually be intense and smell smoke from the fire. Yes. And that whole thing, that's how I got saved. I'm yeah. sure that's in your story, right? Absolutely. So yeah, so we scaled it like crazy. We invited churches from all across the country to come to our movement camp conference. And we saw 20 different states participate in person and so this year, yeah, we're just going to continue to try and get them away from technology to come mm. and be like on a mountain with Jesus. Wow! And uh, and and see if we can reach in in that way. I how often do you? Because I feel like, you know, someone of your caliber, someone of your your unique, you know, genius. You have such insight. You have such experience. How heavily do you rely on 
people speaking into the decisions and the future of uh, of your organization For, as a, as a leader how much do you covet and crave that that feedback is that do you do you find the older you get the more you're like I'm pretty sure about it or do you feel like man I'm ask I'm actually opposite I actually I'm asking more questions how, where do you land on that um I mean I'm very I'm very intuitive so to a fault I can trust my gut and I feel like one of my gifts is discernment and and so that sense um I usually don't have a very you know weak sense of what we're supposed to do usually Great. it's pretty strong yep um but I mean I mean obviously as an organization I'm responsible to our board of directors so you know when it comes to you know budgeting things for things and making sure the T's are crossed and I's are dotted with, you know, real estate or, you know, whatever that, of course we, 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 uh, go, we operate in the, in the, in the right way we should. Um, but then as far as, um, you know, network of peers, that to me, I am like any chance I get with a leader, I'm like, I want to just get your eyeballs on stuff. Yep. You know, I think, um, you know, those who have gone before us and those who are leading alongside of us who operate in, you know, similar spaces have so much that, that can offer, but not even just exactly people who are in your line of work. I think having a wise counsel from someone in a different industry can really uh, help shake it up. And, and not even those who you get to talk to on face to face. Right. You know, like Danny Meyer, who started Shake Shack. Uh, I think one of the best leadership books that exists is his book, Setting the Table. Mm. And he, he talks about why is Shake Shack? Like, theoretically, Shake Shack and McDonald's are the same thing. Yeah, But totally. nobody in their minds puts him in the same category. Ever. He says, you know, there, there's only just meat, there's bread, there's cheese, there's chocolate. You know, there's fat and salt and, and, and sugar. But it's the blending, how you uniquely bring those things together that makes the experience so elevated. And he says the key thing at Shake Shack is not what you'd ever think about. He says it's enlightened hospitality. And so what is it that makes you feel what you feel? It's culture. It's the culture of Shake Shack. That's exactly it's right. It's very different than the culture of a, a different, you know, burger joint that you could go to. So I think being willing to learn from and and listen into industries that are not necessarily doing what you do, but you can steal principles from, I mm. think it's such an important thing. Mm. I, I love that you hit on that because that's one of the things I want to talk to you about is hospitality. And I don't know many people in the world or many places I've ever been to that have the quality of hospitality that you guys have in Montana. And it's all from you and Jenny. You guys clearly have the gift of hospitality. You would be the Shake Shack and not the McDonald's. And we're not going to name other McDonald's right now, but we're going to just say that there's an enlightened experience here. And you guys How just... How good is Shake Shack, by the way? Oh, just level... Oh, man. Ridiculous. By the way, the next time you come to LA, we just opened this place... Not we. we. There's a new place open in town called Heavy Handed. It is a smash burger mm. and it's from God. It is like... we. I mean, I'm it's in Santa Monica. So I'm thinking me and you, we're going to do a Soul Cycle class... We're going to get a juice. We'll talk. We'll solve the world's problems. And then, you know, when we're done, to, we're done and ready. We're going to meander down and get a heavy handed burger it's to like die for. That. I like the name heavy handed. Right. Strong. I like that. But I, I, I feel like, you know, you guys have such a gift of hospitality. And one of the ways that I describe you behind your back is that you're just one of the most thoughtful people. You have the you have the gift of 
thinking well about others and what would they like, what would they like to do? You think about their experience. Talk to me about what makes hospitality great and what makes it mediocre. Because I think everybody yeah. does hospitality. I was at the Four Points Sheraton yesterday. That's a fine establishment. It's not a bad hotel. We walked in the lobby. I go, it's pretty good. It's pretty nice. It's, I was like, Julia, it's, not, it's right down the street from our house. It's not bad. But then you walk into some other places, you're like, okay. Yeah. What, what makes great hospitality in your opinion? Well, it's so funny because, you know, th and thank you. And I think so much of it does come from Jenny. Uh, that is like, that's her happy place. Like she, um, you know, for her, if you're on our team, she wants every, every staff member's child to receive a birthday present and, you know, an anniversary thing. And just to, 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 for people to feel seen. I think that's at the end of the day, the heartbeat behind Great. it. I think, you know, we, you, 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 you go to the hospital and you don't necessarily feel like you're getting hospitality, but you should, you know, but you are, yeah. you're getting a certain sense of it. It's just, I don't think you feel like the hospital is for you. Like they're, they're, they're for you in a sense, you know, going to give you your surgery and hopefully remember, but when you, when you're getting food or whatever, you're not really feeling like they thought about you and, and tailored it to you. It's very much, you're a cog in a machine, you're, you're a number on a chart and you, you feel like that. I think when we uh, put hospitality in the right way, we're, 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 we're thinking about people, we're making sure people feel seen and noticed. I think, um, for me, like you, Chad, I'm an Enneagram three, but my strong wing is two. So I love that thought of helping. I love that thought of coming alongside. I love that that God describes himself as a very present help. The Holy Spirit's a helper, a paracletos, one who comes alongside. So I think for me, whether you're a first-time guest at our church, I want to come alongside you and help you through that experience. You know, whether that's through just being clear as to what the path would be like to get on a team or to be a part, or the fact that you're receiving a gift that welcomes you. Uh, same thing with a, a, a visiting musician or preacher. You know, someone like you comes in, you're out there on the road. I know that's hard. You're about to pour in. I want to refresh you. So I'm not just going to find, you know, some boilerplate gift that says that. I want to think of something that's just uniquely fun or, or will make you laugh or will be a blessing to your life in some way. And I'm, I'm like, I live for life hacks and this random little product that does this. And I just, it gives me great joy to add value to someone's life and, and story. So I think that's where hopefully that comes from. And I think that we can apply that to every area of our businesses or right. ministries or teams by just thinking through the headspace of what people are, are actually coming in for. If, if you run a restaurant, they're not coming in for food. They're coming in for a moment. They're coming in for an experience. That's right. And even if something is wrong, you can make a moment by how you, how you say, sorry, how you own up to it. And uh, I think that's just, there's, there's so many opportunities for that. Uh, the great story is the Ritz Carlton story right by where you live. Um, uh, what's, is it Marina Del Rey? Yep. So that Ritz Carlton, um, it's a brilliant story. There was this couple at the, at the bar and they were, they were chatting with the bartender and, and he, he said, how, what brings you here? And they go, oh, well, we were supposed to be in Hawaii, but, oh, she, her cancer came back. And so we just decided to just do a staycation. We were going to be at the Ritz in Maui, but instead we're you know, here, and we're just going to order some dinner and make a night of it and then go home. And, and the bartender, um, at the Ritz, every employee has a certain amount of budget to, uh, make moments for guests if they can. So apparently the bartender got their food order in, then rushed off and told the manager the story. So we got to do something for them. So the manager thought quickly 
and went to the lost and found and found that someone had left a card for the Ritz Carlton Maui in a room and it somehow got kept. So he had it keyed to their room. Then they rummaged through the decorations, wow. Halloween, all the things. He found some palm trees. He found some like a fish net. He found, you know, anything they could find that was at all tropical. They went up to their room and they did a they did a makeover um, to the room, making it every bit Hawaii as they possibly could. Beach sand, shovels, like their room's now Hawaii. And uh, they did all this while the couple's having dinner. So then at the end of their meal, when the check comes, of course they comped their whole meal. Uh, said all of our staff's pulling for you and your cancer treatments. We're sorry you until you can get to Hawaii. And they offered them in a, in a wrapped box, this little gift card for Maui Ritz. And then now they go to their room. What that, that let me tell you something. That couple is going to be Ritz Carlton people <laughs> for <laughs> life. Yes. And what did it cost that manager? Nothing. But what does that company going to gain in the long haul? That's hot. That to me is hospitality. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is thoughtfulness. It is letting people feel seen. It is honoring them. I love that the word hospital is in the word hospitality because I think hospitality is restoring someone, refreshing them, letting them get their wind back in their sails, letting them get their legs underneath them. It's not just serving a, a burger. It's not and serving it's not a meal. And it's not just throwing money around. I think you can no. have it in your head. It's this, you know, but it's like you can... It's like someone who wins the lottery and then starts driving like the most expensive, ridiculous, ostentatious truck in worse clothes. It's like that's not that's not right. It's 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 like you mean you buy secondhand clothes but get them tailored right, you'll look better than just because you buy something that's expensive. You know what I mean? So it's it's that it's that thoughtfulness and bespoking every moment, and 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 tailoring it to what's in front of you. But I also think to be good at hospitality, I think there is a level of humility and servitude that is attached to it because at the end of the day, it's such a spirit. And like you're saying, you can have all the right moves or, and it could be even opulent, but if it's not from the right spirit, uh, I would say honor is in that uh, humility, servitude. It's just coming from the place that I want to add value to you. I'm here to give something to you and not take away from you. That to me is hospitality. And it's really hard to be hospitable and have ego. Oof. Or or be hospitable, but expect some sort of quid pro quo. I mean, I think we've all received some gen some generosity that very much felt like there was some strings attached to it, and it was like, oh, this is actually a bribe. It's not hospitality, and this is more for you than it is for me, and I don't want any part of that. And I don't think that's that, like you said, that's not the right spirit. I remember somebody was ho when you say that somebody was hosting me in a major city, major ministry. It was like a big deal for me. And I was pretty like, wow. And I, so I said to the, to the person, the main guy in charge, wow, you know, thank you. This is, this is pretty, this is pretty special here. And he said, you, well, you know why? Cause I need Chad Veach's best. And so I did this. I, tonight I need Chad Veach's best. And I just thought, wow, it feels like you just undid everything I had experienced. Because that's not hospitality. Hospitality is, I love you. I want to put something into you. I I just love you. And I, I appreciate you. And to me, I you know, you guys make all the right moves. But to me, above that, it's the spirit. And I think to anybody listening, hospitality is such a big deal. I just, I, I, I don't care what industry or field you work in. We are all in the people business. We yes. are all in the hospitality industry. So that's why I love going to a restaurant or a hotel. I'm looking 
to be inspired. I'm looking for some language, some move. And it, so it could be at Shake Shack. It could be at Chick-fil-A that I am inspired as a leader to be better at hospitality. So it doesn't have to be a five-star. It doesn't have to be a Ritz. It could be anywhere. I could walk into a clothing restaurant on Fairfax. Uh, I mean, a clothing shop on Fairfax and be inspired. So it's such a, a, a to me, a character issue. It's not. And then it's not, it's not, Um, you know, it, what you're saying is service. You know, it's service. Right? And and like you, just like you can't spell hospital, hospitality without hospital, you can't spell service without serve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if customer service um, for a company is just the lady who answers the complaints on the phone or whoever gets the emails with the orders that that's not, you know, you want every single person who works in the entire company or team to have the sense that we're here to serve. We're the here people to serve coming in. We're here to and add the, value. And the people who work here that we're, we want to serve and that's true greatness. And, you know, I, I remember we were on a, on a, on a tour once and we were, um, uh, getting picked up by s some of the runners that had volunteered from, you know, that city's churches to come together um, and take us to the hotels to shower before going back to the venue. And I got into a car with uh, Christian Stanfield from, from Passion and the girl had, you know, van, which we were all going to go get showers at the hotel rooms that they had and then go back to the, the show. And um, the girl driving the car, as soon as we get going, hey, glad to have you here. I'm, I, 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 we're like, oh, what do you do? I'm a worship leader in my church. Oh, that's so amazing. God bless you. What church is it? That's so great. Okay. And and then she goes, okay. And then she turns the the volume knob up all the way, like while we're still talking. And we could see on the, the little MP3 screen, it said, track 007 bounce down dot mp3 and we were like oh shoot this is about to happen it of course was her so christian like we both are just trying to avoid eye contact with each other she's playing her demo <laughs> to you know what i mean trying to get on the passion right. stage basically right and and so we're like looking away and and so finally i just couldn't take it anymore so like hey who is this and she's oh actually it's this whole thing you know like it's me and and then Christian goes, oh, that's so cool that you, you write this song. She goes, actually, and she turns, she grabs out of her purse, you know, CD, while drive, takes her eyes off of the road and looking in Christian in the eyes is handing him this, this CD that she, and I was like, oh, you didn't sign up to serve that no. day. You signed up to get that day. And I think motive, motive, you can smell motive on people. Totally. You can. That's such a great story, by the way. And, and, and at the end of the day, people can tell whether you want something from them or you want something for them and so i love that you use the word serve it is in the word service and i and i think to be a great leader you got to start with serving i'm here to serve mm. i'm here to add value i i want to ask you and even just for those of us in the church world if our services are actually serving people right uh, think a question of, to ask ourselves think about that that's why let me just uh, a side note on that that's why i have a problem with anybody that brings their grievances into the pulpit because because you're just airing out your laundry and your and your complaints you're not there to serve people and i think people yeah. sniff that and, and it's well, unfortunate. i know the difference the times that i've gotten on the platform to try and impress people or i've been preaching to the one angry email person <laughs> and or i'm preaching to the empty seats yeah and god god will tell me real quick levi i i didn't i didn't give you a word for the empty seats i gave you a word for the seats that are full right here and those people did come to hear a word and they didn't need, they don't need to come hear you have counseling. They didn't need to hear you be irritated at the whatever. 
bring bring people a blessing, serve the people, give them what they want. That's exactly and, and right. What, they, what I want you to give them. I think that that's that's one of the biggest prayers I pray. God help me to to be here in the in the in this moment, ego free, to bless your people. So good. Not to try and impress it or, or whatever or entertain or any of that nonsense. So good. I want to ask you about failure. You you you've been leading for so long. You started your church in two thousand seven. Uh, you know, failure so inevitable. Failure just continues to happen. We'd love for it to have it been a season of our of our early years, but you know, you make you make failures, you make wrong judgment calls, you 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 miscalculate, you you put your all your eggs in the wrong basket. You just you know, it's part of leading. It's like it's so inevitable. It's going to happen. What are some things you look back on and you go, you know, this one. I was able to draw this truth out, this principle, this changed the way I lead, whether it was something that happened from someone else's actions or your own, where you can draw, you can look back and go, this is one of the, the biggest life lessons I have in leadership is actually from not a success. Cause I think that's, I, I, it's, it's the whole thought. We don't learn from the mountaintop of success. We learn in the Valley of despair. So mm-hmm. what have been failures that helped shape you to become the, the leader that you are today? Well, without a doubt, I would say uh, the biggest failure was waiting too long to really get serious about leadership pipeline and the development of a deeper bench of of leaders. And that, um, you know, as it's been said, leadership is two things. It's plumbing and poetry. Poetry to inspire and plumbing uh, the network, the systems, the reality. Um you see it in the Bible. You see Jesus, you know, speaking to the people in a way that moved their hearts. Uh, they, they, they've never felt like this, never spoke a man like this man. That's poetry. Leadership is poetry. Leadership is crafting um, language that moves the hearts of people. Leadership is here's where we're going. Leadership is never give up. Winston Churchill, this is poetry. That's leadership. If you don't want to craft speeches that can touch your, you know, work on language, there, there's so much of that. And that comes very natural natural to, to some people. The other side of it is plumbing. This is, uh, this is the person who knows uh, the, the, the schematics. This is the, um, you know, I think, I think Chris Hodges would be just a masterful uh, plumbing uh, totally. leader. Uh, you know, this is, this is how we're going to do it. This is, this is a strategy. This is how we're going to develop. This is all these things. Uh, as, as it's been said, no organization works if the toilets don't flush. <laughs> you know, so someone's got to actually work up the plan for the Costco runs. And this is how we're going to clean. This is how it's just, so systems and then um, the actual culture and, and language. So uh, I'm, I'm more by nature on the poetry side, and I have a, a more difficult time with the plumbing side. And so I think for us earlier on, it was easy for me to coast on the gift of the rah-rah speech, right. and let's go charge the gates of hell and all the rest, and didn't have as much of uh, energy for, or or the, 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 the clarity to delegate to and release those who are better at the plumbing side of things than myself. And so as a result, we grew fast and didn't have uh, those ready and the systems in place to develop the next level of leaders. So we've been catching up for years, mm. you know, with our residency, our internship, our, you know, our, our college, and just getting that next level bench and being, you know, recruiting uh, for those who can take the next positions. Um, the, so other, great. the other great failure for me um, would, uh, would it, I mean, honestly, what I even just said a minute ago of, of this, this new focus on youth, um, I think I wish we would have given more energy to youth sooner um, with 
a church plant, it's harder to do that because yes. so much of the church feels like a youth group. Right. But I would have persisted through and pushed through that and made that more of an emphasis sooner. And then, and then thirdly, I think um, pace. I have a, a quite a large appetite and quite a large plate when it comes to complexity, and I, I can I know how to figure out the rhythms to, to sustain that, but not everybody does. Um, and I think because of that, I stripped gears with people who didn't have that same appetite or pace, especially after our daughter died. You know, when Linya went to heaven, part of my coping and my w- way of working through it was to bury myself in in work and and yes to everything. And we're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to go. And I think, you know, not, not everybody can sustain that. And as a result, I think we, you know, there were some people who just who couldn't continue at that same unrelenting. Could you recognize that at the time? Like when, when, when people were kind of getting off the boat, were you going like, I know it's pace or at the time were you going like, it's them. It's their fault. Yeah. It's hard. You know, I think, I think we all, first of all, we take people at their word and people will tell you I'm with you forever, (laughs) which is almost always code for, I'll be here for about two years. I got two more years. Yeah, exactly. Or I've already accepted a job somewhere else. <laughs> right. And my, my, my resume is on monster.com right now. <laughs> uh, thus, thus I'm with you to the grave. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, I think I naively sort of thought, and I'm in by God's grace. I mean, my first hire is still on our staff Wow. and my, my second hire is still on our staff. Wow. And we have very, a lot of people who have, who have tenure of a decade plus, And a lot of people who have been with us for a very long time. But that being said, I think I naively sort of thought success looks like keeping everybody forever, Mm. but that's not realistic. Uh, Someone told me one time, no one stays at your organization forever, including you. Because for for whatever reason, you're eventually going to die or whatever. So the Fresh Life without Levi, this is a thing, right? So um, I think in my head, I thought everybody was. So any failure to to keep an unsustainable model of perfection to me was as a three, as a classic achiever, I'm a failure because uh, so-and-so left, as opposed to just going, look, people are called to your ministry for a reason, a season, and yes, some a lifetime, but that's going to be the few, even Paul had Demas. Hold on, say that again. Have you used that before? A reason, a season, and some a lifetime? People will always be in your life. Uh, Some, I don't know who originally said that, but they're called for a reason. They're meant to bless you or open a door for you a season, they'll be there for a time or a lifetime. And that is, you know, going to be the rarity. Mm. Even when you look at Paul's team, Demas forsook him, even uh, John Mark bounced on him, but then eventually later came back around, right? So I think we just have to have like more grace for that, that it's normal for people to come and people to go. How do you handle that? Like, are you wired to easily forgive? Do you hold grudges? When you when you face transition, do you find yourself isolating uh, does it affect your home and the way you would entertain and host? Like, how do you handle that transitions of people? Chad, I've handled it so badly. Um, but through, through work, I've discovered because of my mom leaving my house when I was in high school, divorcing my dad and, 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 and that hardship, uh, I developed a mechanism by which to protect myself which was at the first sign of any sort of hurt, immediate armor up, immediate wall down, and immediate you're dead to me, only as a way to protect myself. So I've caught, I've, I've kind of caught that, I can catch that earlier happening 
and and say to myself or say to Jenny or say to you know wow that's sad I'm gonna miss them I'm I loved serving alongside of them but sort of normalize the situation as opposed to you know having the extreme reaction one way or the other but I would say um, it always hurts and if it doesn't hurt that means you're no longer a human so yep the biggest thing for me though is my kids I think that's where I have the hardest time with it. You know, because if a family leaves our church or our staff and they leave angrily or noisily or badly or, or however, even good, good, well, as good as it can be, you know, my kids, you know, they love your team. They, 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 they love, they're all uncles and aunts and they love their kids. And it's hard for them to process those griefs of, well, this is my friend and now they're gone and they don't, they don't care about any of the drama or whatever. They just are like, why, why is there that upheaval? And I think that's where it hurts the most. Totally. I, 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 I'm just facing that now, you know, as far as my guys being old enough to understand people are going to come and go and my friends are, you know, especially LA, LA's transient. So your best friends, they just don't live here anymore, especially in the last three years, they just don't live here. And, and, and so our son recently said, dad, how come I keep losing friends? Ugh. And so I, I said, buddy, well, I don't think you know, you haven't lost anybody. They, they don't live here anymore. They've moved away, but they're still our friends. And thank God we have airplanes. Thank God we have FaceTime. You know, buddy, you're going to have friends all over the world. I think I was just recently with, have you met um, the guy that leaves Vintage Church right here in Santa Monica? His name is Gare. Have you met him? It's an unbelievable no. guy. He said to me recently, he said, um, he pastors in LA as well. And he said, um, we take two months off a year to spend time with our forever friends every summer. These people will be our friends forever. And we've trained our kids to know, hey, when it comes to like people in LA or staff, we don't know how long we get to do life with them. But these guys, like your cousins, or as I tell my boys, your brothers, you know, or certain friends, I like what you're saying, reason, season, lifetime. I think what I'm trying to figure out right now is how do I show my boys these people will be with you for a lifetime. Your cousins are always going to be your cousins. Your brothers are always going to be your brothers. Our best friends, maybe, you know, the Luscos or the Wilkerson's or some people outside that we choose to vacation with, you're going to be with them forever. And I think, you know, you, you already nailed it on the head. You put up walls if you're threatened that I don't have people with me forever as long as I know that I have some people that are going to be with me for a lifetime I'm fine because then I can correctly place people in my life as going like oh you were here for a reason or you were here for a season and I'm fine with that yeah. as long as I don't get threatened in the area of people that would be should be for a lifetime then I'm then 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 that threatens at a whole nother level. Yeah, and I think too, if for, and for me, I just I think it it comes down to, you know, remembering even people in your church, people on your staff, they're not your people. Yeah, you know, they're God's right. people. They're people, right. and they're doing things. And if if they're off, you know, you can hopefully celebrate whatever world they they go off to. And yeah. someone really said something that helped Jenny and I process it. You know, we we had gone through a season where a bunch of people had, you know, left and someone had left staff and started another church and, you know, kind of, it was just all this, you know, kind of the, the stuff that church is sort of famous for. Sure. The proverb stuff of the, the without a crap, the off the, without any cows, the 
trough would stay clean, but if there's cows, there's crap. So if you want no mess, then you can't do ministry if or it, business. If, it was, or, if, if the Proverbs was a rap, it'd be mo people, mo problems, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Biggie would put it that way. So, so I think, but someone said to us, they said, hey, look, whether these people um, would say so or not, they're leaving our ministry better than they came. Yeah, great. You know, and I think you have to, if you can say that, I think the big thing is you have to separate your insecurities from it. That's right. And where your insecurities are going to rear up is to say, oh, them leaving means you weren't a good leader. That's right. And if you can say, hey, while they were here, I wanted to add value to them. I wanted to yep. serve them. Yep. I wanted to, yep. you know, give yep. them chances and opportunities. And if they're freed up, then you know what? Even if they don't give me credit in the back of whatever they do, I am, I help them become whatever they're doing. That's right. So great. And then we can just sort of walk away. Hey, that's, that's, that is what it is. And I also think, you know, just to further that is like, if you are a healthy leader now, if you're not, and you've got a lot of toxicity around you or spewing out of you, this is not true for you. But if you're trying your best and you're trying to create a healthy culture and you're doing your best and you haven't changed, I think it's okay for you to also conclude, I'm not that big of a deal. And people are not at home thinking about me all the time. And I'm not on everybody's radar. And the world doesn't revolve around me. I think that's so harmful for a lot of leaders is to go, if they stay, it's because of me. And if they leave, it's because of you. I don't think it's all about you. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a sovereignty component to this that we have to also factor in that in spite of your weaknesses, God called somebody to be with you or God l led somebody to be a part of the team. And in, in spite of all your greatness, God's leading them onto something else. And so I just think we have to be careful. If if you're always going to be the hero, then you're always going to be the, the villain. And yeah. I just don't want to, I don't want to live that life. The problem. Yeah, I yeah, don't want to live that life. It's the whole... Uh, crowd of people gr crying out, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then the next week they're like, crucify him. Crucify. Yeah, exactly. The thing that my counselor helped me to see, Chad, was that I do that to others for sure. Or, and others do that to me. I don't know if you notice this. Someone comes to your church two months in, they write you the email. You're the greatest pastor in the world. You walk on water. Zoe Church is a home I've always been looking for. I wasn't getting fed at my previous church, but I'm getting fed here, right? There's the boilerplate email they get from bad emails people send to churches.com. And, and, and if uh, you always have to be careful when someone's, um, you know, uh, turning you into a saint because the next week they'll be sharpening their pitchforks, right? It's, That's exactly it's right. classic. They, they, they thought Paul was a God and then they're trying to stun him to death. So that's all great. We all get that. But what I found in the, my site, my through counseling, I discovered was I do that to myself mm. that either I'm the greatest thing ever, or I'm, I'm a self-loathing, mm. you know, it's either I'm, I'm either in the, in the wrong way thinking so much, but ego can work both ways. Pride can work both ways mm. in vilifying, uh, or in, in, in deifying. And so I think normalizing, not catastrophizing. Hey, mm. it's just another day. Keep going. You know, a lot, a lot of ministry is just plodding. It's just yep. continuing one foot in front of the other. Keep going. Don't, don't overthink it. And, and, and I think, you know, um, some of the best bit of advice I got from Gary Clark, Hillsong London, he's now in Australia, but he said, you know, Hey, life is long. Stay sweet with everybody. So just why, why get all precious and yeah. in your feelings just stay sweet life is really long you're going to run into somebody at disneyland you want to give them a hug or you want to look the other way what do you want to do you know who do you yeah. what do you want to be known as you That's know I, I don't want to be so cutthroat so black and white i want to i want to end with this what is a uh, a, a quote 
because you know I'm into these quotes, man. You have such good packaging. What is a, we'll end with this. What is a leadership quote that you say or you recently heard and you're like, I have been thinking about this one. For example, I'll give you two So as a, as a reference. I love this whole thought. Don't let a leak become a flood. I've really been into this thought. You know, or like Skip. I read Skip 30,000. Uh, what's his book? The 30,000. The Bible, oh, the Bible from, from 30,000 feet. I love it. Brilliant. He, he said a line in that one to the about the, Corinth, uh, the Corinthians. They were just saved enough to be spiritual, but in the flesh enough to be miserable. I, I love that phrasing. That right mm. there just lands. So those are two examples. What's a what's a what's a quote, a leadership maxim, axiom, some some quote recently that you go, I've been thinking about this one. Um, trust is built in drops and lost in buckets. And I don't know who said that, but man, if it isn't true, uh it's it's a little little tiny drip, 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 drip to build trust with people, your brand. Um, the CEO of Coca-Cola once said when he was running the company, he woke up every day knowing it's a hundred year old heritage brand. And he would ask himself before he would allow himself to leave the office, he would say, did I do one thing to shine and polish the Coca-Cola brand today? Mm. Right. Uh, the, the Ritz Carlton story, they shined that Ritz Carlton brand, ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen. Right. So I think trust is built in drops. It's a tiny drop to do something good for a customer or a person on your team or a person in your life, but you lose trust in buckets. Uh, that person, you know, the person who we bump into around town and goes, Hey, oh, pastor Chad, pastor Levi, I love your church. Uh, great. Are you on our team? Are you involved? Uh, I sent an email, never heard anything back. That's that's trust lost in buckets, you know. Now that's not always true. Sometimes they they didn't send an email or they you know whatever. But at the same time, we want to go above and beyond to always um, uh, under promise and over deliver, and and not lose the trust. Uh, and our brand, of course, we're using secular jargon, but our brand is the brand, right? I mean, this is the carriers of of the way. That's this it. is followers of Jesus. We, if we're not doing something every day to polish that brand, we should hopefully polish the brand of Fresh Life and Zoe and whatever mm. church we're a part of with the lowercase c, but the church of Jesus Christ, that, that hopefully there's a sweet smelling aroma, like Paul said, uh, that even if people don't like uh, our, what we say we stand for, they cannot help but like how we live. So good. I love that. And you got that sweet smelling aroma. And I can't wait to go to Soul Cycle and heavy handed with you. Heavy handed. It's on. I Let's love go ride it. a horse bareback through the snow, Chad. <laughs> in, hey, in a meadow. One of my favorite memories is coming to Montana in the snow, and you and I went skiing together. And uh, we just had, I mean, that place is beautiful. You live in probably one of the most beautiful places on the earth. And well, sadly, now Kevin Costner's telling everybody about it, so it's not a secret anymore. The word's out. It's just, it's like no other place I've ever been, and I'm so glad you guys are there. I love your staff. I love your church. I love your children. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for leading. Thank you for being such a, a, a big thinker and a and having a big soul. You, you just constantly inspire me in the way that you live and the way you think, so please keep going. Thanks, bro. Love you. Right back at you. You're the best. I'll see you soon.